Gaming BS episode 45, sponsored by darktheater.net, home of the character folio. Welcome to Gaming NBS, where we talk about tabletop gaming, specifically around role-playing games and other topics of geekery. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. I'm Brett. Hello, and welcome back. Yeah, welcome back, listener. No announcements this week. No, nothing uh, Nothing crazy. Um, on From a weird... Um, odd, dark, serendipitous perspective. Sean had a uh, funeral thing to go to today, and so did I. Unrela- <laughs> unrelated sidebars, but that was kind of weekend uh, like, of death. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, oh well. Shall we just go right into the old random encounter and see what folks have to say? Uh, I think we should do random encounter. Random encounter where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media, and our blog. Brett. Let's see what we have here. <clears throat> do, 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 do. Ah, yes. Kevin Thulu uh, writes on the website there. Website there, eh? I was just in the UP yeah. in Michigan, so. Oh, yeah? So was, oh, is that yeah. up there? Oh, it's up there. It's pretty good there, eh? That's went great. Out and, uh, went out in the woods for a while Go and the then uh, walked down to the lake. Yeah. Woods. <laughs> Do you have any yeah. toast? I had some toast, yeah. Toast? Yeah, a little coffee. Get it out of a bag. <laughs> anyway. So I was uh, well. I'm in the UP, and Wayne Humphrey is way uh, down. He's he's a troll. He's underneath the bridge. So I was up above him. Yeah, he's in. Anyhow, he's in Michigan proper. Michigan proper, yes. <laughs> Where they actually have things like running water. No, I'm kidding. It's not that bad up there. <laughs> okay, so Kevin Thulu wrote on the website about episode 005 of the bonus BS. He's talking about the misdirected Mark one, where uh, Chris Nizak came in and shanghaied us. So he says, "I can't wait to play in." Knights Black Agents when Brett runs at a game hole con three. Yeah. Oh, God right. damn it. Excellent, man. Thanks for committing. Awesome. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, Gaming and BS and Misdirected Mark need to have more of these collaborative podcasts. You guys were great fun to listen to. Thank you, Kevin. That was very nice of you. Yes, very nice. Next one is yours from Angela Murray. Sean, what have you... you Angela Murray. Comments via G Plus, episode 44, where we talk about fudging die rolls. Thanks to my buddy Steve, who put an illustration out there to fu- show how I love fudge. Dice fudge. fudge <laughs> dice. Not, and not the gaming fudge dice, actually, f- dice made out of fudge. Yes, it looks like a six sider, kind of lopsided, but it's definitely made out of fudge. Him and his elite Photoshop skills. She, Angela, goes on, such a hot-button topic. From my perspective, it's all dependent on what's going to give everyone at the table a better game experience. For the most part, it's easiest to just go with the dice, but sometimes the dice are assholes, and to save the game from becoming unfun, it might be worth it to fudge the dice a little. One other thing I have uh, always hear in relation to the concept of fudging dice is that if the GM isn't willing to go with whatever the dice give you, they shouldn't be rolling the dice. Huh? That's my philosophy completely, Angela. Yes, yes, yes. Screw the dice. Anyway. That's great advice, see? But sometimes in the heat of the game, you pick up the dice and roll them, and it's only after they've tumbled across the table that you realize you've made a mistake rolling them in the first place. It takes a bit to learn when you can just skip the dice. Most of these discussions talk about killing the characters with a die roll, but no one ever mentions how hard it is to actually kill the characters in most modern games. We touched on that a little bit where we uh, talked about the uh, first at AD&D where um, you go, holy shit, you got a 15th level paladin? How the hell did you do that? That's right. I'm sure there's some OSR style games that take the old school lethality to heart. But for the most part, I haven't played a game where it's easy to die in ages, and I honestly prefer that. Character death was never fun unless uh, it was at the end of a dramatic one-shot or a character moment in a campaign. So yeah, as a GM, I occasionally fudge the dice, but I'm, I'm, I try to avoid, try, I'm try, I try and avoid it. Yes. Thank you, I Angela. Think, I think what Angela says there makes sense. I mean... 
And, you know, we honestly hadn't talked about that. I think that might be an interesting topic at some point, just the uh, lethality levels. Ooh. Comparative from certain game systems. If not, just a kind of, what's the most lethal game you've ever played? I'm actually be curious. I mean, <laughs> you want to talk about lethal? Traveler. Traveler, Traveler, Traveler yeah. Boom. I, I died character, in character gen. Character Son creation. Son of a bitch. Didn't even do anything. Old school first ed D&D, right? Yeah. I have a magic user with one hit point. Or anybody could have one hit point. It's totally possible. You stepped on a cow trap, you're dead. <laughs> Damn wizards. Cool. Yeah, All cool. right. Cool, cool. The whole, the rest of the, all the rest of the comments are episode 44. Good. Yeah. You want, you want, want me to do the next one? Go ahead. All right, Victor Wyatt. So now that you are done with 44A, when are you going to do 44B? <laughs> That's the one where you talk about fudging dice in non-combat slash non-life-threatening situations, which I think is interesting because in most cases when I talk about fudging dice, it is combat-oriented because perhaps that's where the dice tend to flow fast and hot and heavy and it's where it seems like it's more, <clears throat> more dangerous or there's more at stake. And I think it goes back to, um, to what Angela's talking about there when it comes to dying. Yeah. Well, that seems like the big thing. So Victor goes on, you know, to say, do you fudge dice in negotiations? How about in a chase? What about when the PCs do anything with opposed checks? Do the PCs find the secret door? My stance on fudging dice at this stage is don't do it. Other things can be done if you really feel the need to save your game. I would never want a game to be unfun either. In that case, I would take a quote-unquote failure due to a die roll and blow it out of proportion so the players have a great time at the expense of the PC. Failure is not a bad thing with the PCs. It's an opportunity for craziness, a chance to be creative, and sometimes a sign to the players or game master that their tactics weren't thought out enough. Roll in the open, cheer on the players, commiserate with the players about uh, about the hot spot the PCs land in. Finally, have fun and don't be and don't be awesome to each other. Wait, whoa, and have fun and be awesome or don't be. Ooh, he says don't there. Finally, have fun and don't be awesome to each other. I think he means be awesome. Yeah, I think so. Or. Or Victor, or Victor showing his dark side right there. That's true. Hey, and I only copy-pasted this thing, so. <laughs> One more thing. If the GM can roll dice behind the screen, why can't players roll their dice behind the screen? Food for thought. I'll give you food for thought because they're the player, Victor. <laughs> they don't have a screen. Those bastards really like him anyway. Oh, wait, shit. Said that out loud. All the players well, got the advantage in everything. Why? I mean, the GM, I mean, GM, I feel, hey, I think the GM's need some help they need more they need help i mean players it is nowadays I tried, to, I tried to touch on that when i said you know is it is a game master cheating when they fudge the dice because if i was a player and i rolled a 20 and uh it really wasn't a 20 and i just moved the die i fudged it i did a little dice cheating or numbers adding we see that as cheating as a player but on the game master side of the screen it's called fudging so it's just it, it, interesting interesting perspective i'm telling you I will say it once, and I will say it again. You do it my method, none of this is relevant. None of it. <laughs> Fudging dice GM, cheaters of the players, it does not matter if you're the GM and you just dictate the outcome. Roll a 20. I could give a shit. Guess what the outcome is? Whatever the hell I say it is. Everyone on the Sean train. Hey, let's do that. There we go. All aboard. All right. So next one we got from our buddy Michael Althauser. And as a GM, sometimes, maybe, kind of, sort of, although usually for inconsequential things. I think what he's saying by inconsequential, and Michael, forgive me if I'm putting words in your mouth or step up to correct me, is the non-combat, non-life-threatening is what you mean inconsequential. You didn't finish his whole comment. Oh, whoa, shit, he had another one, another page. As a player, why bother? Why bother cheating is what he's saying there. Yeah. I think I know a couple of players who would totally argue with that. <laughs> At least so ones I've, I've played so, with over the years. So Michael's right there, like very definitive. Why bother? Bam. Maybe. Kind of. Sort of. Sometimes. <laughs> then we usually. Got Mo, oh, <laughs> usually. <laughs> We got Mo Tusano, uh, the game father, the Canadian god of gaming. Never ever, period. I count on my players not to cheat, and I owe to them not to cheat myself. MT, he's too much on the left. He's too straight. Straight and narrow. Straight and narrow? He's, he's, you know what it is? You know what it is? What is it? All those board games he plays. 
<clears throat> oh. Oh, I think it might be on some MT. Just saying, buddy. Nah. Just don't make them too mad at the paycheck stop. To each their um, own. To each their own. You know, whatever. And we've got Joe Swick. I fudge, but 99% of the time is to hold off a character death. I owe my players fun, and if the moment wouldn't be uh, climactic, I err in their favor. There you go. See? Look, I mean, let's face it. We all want the cool shit to happen. And if the freaking die roll is going to make it not cool, shit, you want to make it cool. Because you're the GM, and you want players to remember your game forever. And the only way that'll happen is if you're the GM and you dictate everything. Well, counterpoint to that, though, the painting that my buddy Lenny had done for me, The Death of Beecher, um, his character, Beta's guy, Beecher, died because of a really lucky critical gunshot wound that flat out killed the guy. He was nowhere to be found. I could have fudged. I could have tweaked. I could have done all sorts of things, but he died. And it made for an amazing scene and event that was totally unplanned for that evening. He died pretty early on, but it did. Uh, it made for a really damn good game. Right. It was qu- quote unquote random. Wait a minute, hold on. Let's let's figure this out now. I wanna, I'm gonna poke some holes at this thing. I'm gonna poke poke poke. Try it. Poke holes into it. I'm just gonna poke at it. So All how? Right. So what game system was it? Pathfinder. Pathfinder. What level was Beecher? Less than tenth. Well, see, you're trying to get around it. Was he? No, 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 no. He was above fifth, six, six, six level. So he's not a chump. Nope, he's not a chump at all. No. And so he's got a lot of background to him. Tons. Some relationships. Yeah, a bunch of them. So see, I could totally see that as part of the story, man. As the GM, I could have been like, dude, it's his time. He's <clears> got to go. And then it's an interesting story. He even had yeah, a damn other- painting freaking made of it. Oh, after the event, yeah. Well, that's it my point. Planned. It wasn't. It wasn't like he was like first level, no contacts, no, no, no. not part of you know, not a really well, implemented. Sa- what I'm saying though is, I the entire it was a session I'd set up to run a <clears throat> a game in my Avalon world with the Pathfinder system we were using at the time. It was a Newton Beecher adventure, and they were not anywhere near the big fight. They weren't even close to the actual dungeon that they were supposed to go in this was all preparatory wet their appetites for the big fight and uh yeah he got gacked like less than two hours into a eight hour session hmm. and Alpha's like or excuse me beta's like well guess i'm dead and uh we just rolled it was completely it was not planned and there could have been if he was going to die i could have chosen a much more heroic way for him to go based on the other things that could have happened but it just happened was the, was the party bummed? Yeah, everyone well, was like, "Oh, see, there, that was all part of it." There that you go. Part of it. There you go. What I'm saying is, I didn't make it happen. The player, I took, the, I, took I took the bad die roll. And we just morphed it into the story. Yeah. So I used dice, and I made it work. Anyway, enough. What's the moral <laughs> of the story? Moral of the story is I'm right and you're wrong. God damn it. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> cue, this, cue this sponsor. All right. Let's do that, eh? Michael Aldhauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com. Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails. He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop, custom colors. You name it, he can pull it off for you. Be sure to mention Gaming NBS for a 10% discount when you place your order at the website grayedout, that's G-R-E-Y-E-D-O-U-T dot Etsy dot com. Dude, did I just belch into the mic? I didn't hear it if you did. Oh my God, thank God. I hope not. It was that pretty bad. bad. I'm like, ooh, like, hope that didn't come you, through. Wouldn't you be encroaching on Happy Jack's territory if you did that? <sighs> I know. We, we can't do that. Happy Jack's. They even, they give the warning and may include bodily functions. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm not, there's no knock on them. That's just the way they roll. I tell you straight. Yeah, there it is. Don't, and by means, that doesn't mean leave them a one-star review. No. Stu All and right. the boys. Stu We're and ready? the boys. Shall we go? Topic of discussion. Brett, let's introduce this sucker. What are we talking about? Hey, what are we talking yeah. about this week? 
I want to talk about travel, travel and RPGs, getting from point A to point B, whether it be, in most cases, I don't want to talk about it necessarily being the the trip that's part of the big quest. But sometimes, depending what's going on, you may be like, look, I'm going to fly from Chicago to New York or, excuse me, I need to get from point A to point B. And in my fantasy game experience, it's often, been, oh, great, in the wilderness, X number, how many days is it that so many random monster checks... Let's just hope we survive this. Um, and I'm wondering, <laughs> I just took a vacation with my family. Ironically um, enough. Ironic, ironically enough. And in the process of doing that, we left late Thursday thinking, hey, we're going to get to UP in Michigan. We'll be there. This will go great. What's the travel, and, uh, time? What's the travel time say in the player's handbook? From, from yeah. <laughs> car, car method, interstate. Car method. Car method is a flat tire in Rhinelander. Hour and a half later, Brett's changing tire. Well, see, so, now, we'll get into that, but I mean- it will say like, "Hey, travel time, car, interstate, three days." Yeah, three to three days. No, three, not quite. Two hours. <laughs> no, more like six hours. But hey, whatever. What a hey! Got to stop and so, get some, you know, eat, drink some meat, or yeah, it's a six-hour drive, right? In the car. Oh, okay. Sober six hours. The way I drive, though. I'm <laughs> so, well, Brett, drinking Whoa, and driving what? is not a fucking joke. God it's, damn it's it! A, okay, all right, all right. Yeah, we don't live in Wisconsin or anything. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Don't do. Don't that. drink and drive. Goddamn it! This is a PSA from Gaming and <clears throat> BS. Anyway, so on that trip, a host of crazy, weird, wacky things. I mean, we was to get there, and the worst, of course, is the flat tire, which is absolutely no fun. Dude, My was it wife, like was it like National Lampoon's Vacation? No, it wasn't did that you, bad. Did you have you and the boy like like <laughs> like a hundred yards from the car drinking a beer, sharing your first no. beer with the boy? No, it hey, Russ. Nice. It was not that bad. <laughs> wasn't that bad. Must have been 100 yards. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean and I have talked about this a couple different times outside of here, and I think we've hinted at it from a few episodes back. The, the concept for like Dungeon Crawl Classics does a good uh, bit with this saying, hey, look, if you're from um, quasi-medieval fantasy town, going <laughs> a month's travel somewhere is unheard of. It's an insane distance to go. And... I know that you know what. There's waterborne travel for faster things and so forth. I had a guy, um, my buddy Eric Schaefer, when he was the game master for us in high school. The easiest way for us to get from point A to point B to a quest or anything, and he'd be like, "Well, how do you want to get there? You want to go? Over, you heard a rumor? You got to do this. You got to do that." We're like, "Oh, geez, how are we going to get there? You know what we're going to do? We're going to get in a boat." He'd go, "Oh, fuck," because he hated waterborne adventures. He didn't like the random encounters in water adventures. He didn't like boats. He didn't like anything about it. Your armor so class is, is like. 10 or 12 the whole adventure. Yeah. So all we had to do was step on a raft and we would get there. Boom. Immediately. He's fine. You're there. <laughs> that was it. I mean, because again, that was high school. But the the point was, is if you got on a boat, Eric was just going to have the, the entire party magically whisked closer. Or like, fine, you have two adventures. You're shipwrecked here. Done. Because <clears throat> you didn't want, didn't want to deal with it. And I know sometimes when you're playing a modern game, and you have to go from, say you're playing a spy thriller and you're supposed to go from D.C. to, I don't know, somewhere in Geneva or you know, Germany, wherever you happen to be heading to. And you hop in a plane, you fly there. <clears throat> Ooh, a little spy music for me. Thank you. And you're flying there. A lot of times, it's similar in the movies, right? You'll get the quick flight montage of the spy or whomever sitting in the plane getting some information. Have you seen the movie Taken? Uh, the first one with Liam Neeson. I've not seen any of the I others. Have a particular, the first... I have a particular set of skills. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but he, on the flight to Europe, or you know, where he's, he's heading to France, it's just like he's playing this this audio tape over and over. You, you basically see him doing nothing but preparing to do the job. And the flight itself is <laughs> we don't see him, you know, in baggage. Oh, they lost his bag. Oh, he couldn't find this. His flight was delayed for half an hour. We skip by that stuff. I'm a little disappointed, and, by the way, that that's all edited that. out. Okay. I sure as fuck wasn't flying United. It's to- still back there. That's right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Fucking go on Delta. <laughs> Taken three, still waiting for a seat. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Luggage lost. Um. Anyway, so... The problem to me is that in RPG, a lot of times we tend to take, to make, to clear out the boring shit, 
we throw in random encounters. I think that maybe for us old guys who played, you know, D and D back in the day, and that's just kind of in, in our DNA, if you will, is you're going somewhere. We start rolling dice, <clears throat> roll a six sided. If I roll a one, we, a random encounter occurs. I check a chart and I throw a bugbear, an owlbear, or some other kind of bear, or what a dragon, or something at you. But kind of in the spirit of the story itself and making sure things have some kind of connection, it's not always easy to make some of that travel fun. And sometimes players don't want to leave a certain area because, you know, it, <clears throat> traveling is either prohibitive from a random encounter perspective or it's just seen as kind of dull. And the other thing that got me thinking about this was one of the things that uh, Chris needs to hit you and I with in the uh, bonus BS episode was kind of a uh, motorcycle trip game, like a storyline. Oh, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. kind of a starting of noodling on this. So, Sean... The Lost Minds of Fandelver we're going through right now, your game mastering, using no dice, whatever it is that you're doing behind the screen there. But we're going from place to place throughout the wilderness trying to find this dwarf or this castle or whatever is going on. To me, because the – how do I do this? Are you going to bash my game, dude? No, not – You not can. Directly. It's not okay. directly. It'll make you feel bad. It's um, okay. But the that game is set – so that we have to go from point A to point B. Yeah. You have to travel throughout the wilderness. Yeah. <clears throat> so that one's, that one's built into it. Right. If you're playing um, like Call of Cthulhu, there's certain games where um, – how do I uh, – I'm losing – a massive Nile of Thotep. You have to go it's there, right? It's a massive global adventure. You travel from point to point and place to place. And depending how fast you get somewhere or – um, how you choose to travel by plane, by boat, by zeppelin, by camelback or whatever. It takes a certain amount of time. Sometimes you miss key story elements potentially or, and whatever. But do you – if you're playing a game, Sean, do you – does travel – like you like just get that done with? I'm going from here to Calcutta. I'm going from London to France and from France to Cairo. The adventures in Cairo, I just want to get there. I just want to do the Indiana Jones thing where I see the line go across the – thing a quick little montage in the back but unless it's last crusade when the nazis on the actual zeppelin and finds my dad i don't want to adventure that i don't want to have that adventure i just want to have the red line flying across from point to point do you have a preferred method of travel <laughs> is that what you think you know get me through the boring wilderness to the encounter would you think if i was running lost mines i should start in Fandolin and just end up over here just don't worry about the random encounters through the wilderness what do you think yeah, I, I like the, you know, it's funny when you're talking about that, I'm like, oh, Indiana Jones, dude, just do the map thing. Dur, 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 yep. Play the theme, <laughs> drop it, red line, hit the dot yep. when you hit the transfer point. I don't keep track of too much travel, although I should, but um, my campaign is a bad example. Well, I'm not talking just about your campaign, though, B, and I'm... Kind of, if you will, pulling my my current experience. Part of the trip, part of the family vacation, is the trip. Is the journey, man. It absolutely is, and the fact that we left late Thursday night, got a little, little left the house a little later than we wanted to. Flat tire on Rhinelander, pain in the ass. Thank God the wife's got a full size spare. <clears throat> do I use the fix a flat? Do I do the spare? I'll do this thing. The jack setup is fucked up, stupid. It takes me twice as long to change the tire as it should. You did change it on Friday or Thursday. Um, well, at 12.30 a.m., so it's Friday morning, basically, 1 in the morning. Oh, no shit. You left that yeah. early? No, we left that late Thursday. Oh. We should have. I should have been. Oh. should have been at the cabin at this oh, point. You're changing I, a tire at like 1 in the morning? Oh, yeah. It's great fun. Oh. Well, hey, great. the cool thing about 1 in the morning is it's not freaking ass hot. <laughs> that's true. It was raining, though, so that made it even better. Oh, yeah, that's rest, true. It was nice. It was fun. <laughs> that's awesome. But, so the, the thing, though, is that it's kind of from... It's a show about Brett's vacation. Brett's fucked up trip. <laughs> so the uh, Tolkien mentioned this in The Hobbit where he talks about at one point they all get to Rivendell and he says, you know what? It's really not that fun to talk about things that are boring. Things that are gruesome and palpitating and fear and you know scary, those make a really good story. Sometimes the really boring things are not much to talk about. Right. So, I mean, he breezes through the fact that, hey, they spent like two weeks in Rivendell. And then, by the way, they get in the mountains and fucking orcs and goblins and crazy golem and all this shit. That's more entertaining. It's more conflicty. So again, Indiana Jones, the line flies across the map because he's got to get to Cairo. I don't care about the rest of it. We fly him to Nepal 
at the beginning, and if you haven't seen Indiana Jones, I'm spoiling the movie <laughs> too goddamn bad. Um, damn. <laughs> damn, now I can't watch a fucking thing. But the, Nepal, there's a scene there, and then we cut and we go to the next place where he's going to have an encounter, either the bulk of the story. We pick it up and move him to this other place. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what was he doing in Nepal? Nepal, he's picking up, uh, picking up that that uh, the the woman person, Marion. Um, Marion, yeah. That's oh, yeah. It. <laughs> anyway, where I'm getting at is and that then the after journey. Where would he go? <laughs> Enough. I'm not going to recap the movie shot for shot. You prick. Um, but what I'm saying is that the journey makes a lot of the story, and I think. You don't have to do it through every leg of the journey, right? In The Lost Minds of uh, Fandelver, we're going from point A to point B. We encounter a couple wonky things, but the things that we go through along the way, even if it's shitty weather or a brief description, I think actually add a lot more flavor and um, realism to the storyline. You know, even if we, even if you just had us go from a town to a cave and from a cave to a castle, or I went from Germany over to Switzerland, and then from Switzerland I went to England as my spy, just telling me, hey, while you were there, it rained every day, you're miserable, thank God you left, you left, quote-unquote, sunny London, and you're back in Germany where it happens to be sunny today, you, you love that fact. Those brief bits, you can take travel, and I think you can make it something interesting, because I th- I'm wondering if I'm shortchanging my games um, when I breeze through travel scenarios. I guess that's where I'm going. Well, let me tell you, Brett. Tell me, Sean. Well, uh, maybe is my answer to your question. That's a shitty answer. Could you expound? Um, yes. Now that you've asked me to, I will. Please. Um, it depends on whether or not during the travel it is interesting. If you do not make it interesting, then let's let's you know let's save everybody the hassle. You know, and that's tricky, too, because we get into the, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I think sometimes when you run fantasy, it's kind of like, oh, okay, you travel, you travel some more, and you travel some more, and then you're like, okay, what time is it? It's the end of the day. Um, You find a glade. You just like, at the end of the day, you find a good spot to camp, ironically enough. It's always at the end of the day. It's right there. You like walk right into it. Perfect yeah. timing. It's like Ooh, going down. The, <laughs> it's like going Thank down. Thank the gods. It's another, going, another wonderful glade with beautiful trees and- yeah. Very peaceful. A stack of firewood. This is great. <laughs> right, exactly. Perfect. Ugh. And and so you you set up camp. Well, you're going to set up a watch. Hey, who's going to take first watch? Who's going to take second watch? Oh, how's the night go? Did any uh, monsters come in? Anything crazy happen? No. All right, it's the next it, day. Next day. All right. It, let's, um, it becomes really mechanical. Is right. it mechanical or is it – yeah, well, I guess I could see where you would call it mechanical, yeah. Where it's it's one, two, three, rest. Right. Check, 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 up in the morning, one, two, three, rest, check, 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 up in the morning. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the players, we can we can talk about it and talk about, hey, the porridge we made or did we have bacon for breakfast or what, what kind of, you know, wild game did we find along the way. But – and I know it, it is kind of a weird line, right, because you don't want every – 50 mile journey by car. I want to be able to get to work every day without a lot of encounters, right? I want to be able to drive my hour from my house to my office without having to dodge animals or have near accidents and well, crazy sanity. Let's put so things I, into I, perspective I, here. You're not, you're not Lord of the Rings, dude. No, I'm not. No, you're no, not, not going to save the world. You don't have a ring that makes you invisible. But when you set up a massive, uh, like Greyhawk City or um, Greyhawk Waterdeep City or, or Waterdeep or, or even London or Los Angeles, walking from one end of the city to the other, one could take a long freaking time. You end up taking a cab or you go here, you go there. All sorts of different things can happen. And I think there's points when we want to <clears throat> hurry that up. So what I have done in order to keep story pacing is I I watch for when the players want to get from point A to point B right now. I used to do this all the time in my vampire games. They want to get from one end of Chicago to the other because they have a meeting. And I want to delay them because I figure the bad guy's doing this or I want to or I want to mess things up a little bit. So somewhere along the, <clears throat> the road, I go, boom, flat tire. Like, what? It wouldn't be that often. It would be an inconvenience that they would have to deal with. He's, you know, some great vampire allowed to change a fucking flat on his Mercedes. It's just kind of funny as hell. But is it only one of the party <laughs> members or do you do it like how, what? 
How does that work? Depends who's all in the car. The more people in the car, the more fun it gets. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so like if there's four or five of them crammed in this limo, blam, you know, I, I do, you know, blow a tire or two out or something silly. The driver has a heart attack and dies or something crazy. If you, so what I'm saying is that I've, I started using travel as a mechanism to control, to control story flow or a mechanism to interject little bits and pieces that's of plot fr- and setting. That's ingenious. <laughs> I can't. I can never tell. I think you're totally <laughs> bullshitting me. Although, although you Brett might never knows easy. whether I'm like on the, the straight and narrow or whether I'm just yanking his chain. Yeah, I, I usually lean towards the latter. <laughs> <clears throat> it is a good idea, though. It is. I think I don't give travel enough credit. And the thing that kind of pisses me off with, and it's not even travel, it's time. Because I think a lot of things, there's no sense of urgency with a lot of things. So how do you instill a sense of urgency? Like, hey, you got to be somewhere at seven, dude. And uh, okay, great. When do you leave? Uh, how long does it take to get me there? Half hour, you think you're good? Great. Awesome. I leave at 630. Okay, super. I, Flat tire. Pow. Uh, I did that. I, that's exactly what I would do to my vampire players. They had this deal set up with Dracula. Vlad Dracula's in town and they're dealing with him. And, and Lenny's character thinks he's got Vlad in this sweet deal and all this stuff. And well, Vlad's fucking Vlad. So he sets Lenny up. Lenny has no clue. Lenny ends up on the wrong end of town oh. in Chicago, oh. walks outside, and his Porsche is up on blocks and all the tires are gone. And awesome. And it's spray painted. And he's like, motherfucker, you set me up. You set me up. God damn it, Dracula, you bastard. Blah, blah, blah. And you can just hear the old guy laughing in the distance type of thing. So what would happen is the players would get used to going from place to place this fast. I want to go to the other side of town. Done. You're there. It takes you a half hour. Great. I'm half hour away. Good. I'll leave here. You're two hours away there. It's like that thing if you if – I, if I know I can get to work in an hour and I if I get up at five, I'm always there in plenty of time. If I get up at six, yeah. I'm pushing it. All it takes is like, shit, I forgot to get gas. No, I'm an hour and 15 minutes. So I'm late to that first meeting, which I shouldn't have been late to, goddammit. But when the players get very comfortable with travel, whether it's very mechanical, like, okay, fine, we'll get on a boat. We'll go from point A to point B. Nope, boom, you're shipwrecked. Wind happens. Knock them on an island. You can totally wreck the timing because if you're supposed to be somewhere at a certain point in time, a date or whatever it is, you can inject urgency by delays through travel. Oh, Just like my, well, my it, per- this is here's the argument though. Here you ready for this? Here's the argument. Do it. Right there, baby. Yep. Because they're gonna get pissed. Oh, motherfucking GM. Now you dicked everything up. Uh, it can't happen. It can't happen all the time. No. If it happens all the time, then it's obviously railroady. The other component though is as we've said, a railroad's fine if the scenery's good. It's not a delay to the point <clears throat> that you can't make it up. There's pressure. There's a feeling of I'm not where I need to be. On my vacation, <clears throat> excuse me, I could get to my family's cabin in the UP at any time. It really didn't matter. All that mattered is I was back home today before I had to go to the wake. Apart from that, I could do whatever the fuck I wanted to. But timing meant nothing. However, I had a set schedule when I wanted to be somewhere and having to spend an hour and a, hour and a half changing a tire at one in the morning was not my idea of fun. It was a stressful thing. It was a pain in the ass. I got where I needed to be, but it set a tone for the rest of Friday. The family gets up. We decide it's going to be a lazy day. We kind of hang out, walk around the woods a little bit, chase the dog, go down the pond. Really mellow day. Because of what happened to us. So if you're in a hurry to get from one end of Chicago to the other, I give you a flat tire. You quick change it. I'm like, okay, dude, you just get that done. You race up there. You know, vampires aren't out of breath, but you've got this breathless feeling. You're feeling like, oh, my God, I've just barely made it in time. The prince of the city is looking at you, going, staring at his watch, going, wow, just uh, under the wire there. Really? Couldn't plan any better than that? A small snide comment here or there about your inability to plan or something, it sets the state. You still did the thing. You still got to where you needed to be. I didn't railroad you into failure or success, but I just made that piece a little more interesting. What if, did so, you, uh, what if, so I, <laughs> okay, I'm going to be late. So if you travel the speed, if you travel within like, okay, the bounds of speed in your car and the speed limits, you're going to be late. No question. Or you can attempt to get there on time, but you risk getting pulled over. 
It's an yeah. It's an either, and then what a, happens? It's an, it's an option, right? You <laughs> right. want to do it or not? What's my chance of getting pulled over? I don't know. Give me a couple of drive checks. Right. Oh, fuck. All right. Drive. Oh shit! I failed it. Hey. You know, there it comes. Yeah. <clears throat> See what it looks like. <laughs> oh, look at that little die roll. So the what I'm saying is that I think even I think you can use travel to inject story beats where you want to slow something down, speed it up. You want to have a, a random bit of action. You can have an accident, <clears throat> which can be fun. But one of the pieces that we don't talk about sci-fi a lot, but I'm curious about this because in science fiction games, especially oh boy. like your Star Trek game or whatever it is, travel, I mean, you're on a big goddamn ship. I've not played Star Wars. You have. At some point, though, you want a goddamn X-Wing. You want to go fly the fuck around. Or you've got the Millennium Falcon. You want to go from point A to point B. You want to you know, do the Kessel Run or whatever the hell you're trying to do. Travel in space is part of the whole thing. Now you played Star Wars. I don't know. I don't know if that if that played a role in the games you've played, or if I'm, I'm like I said, I'm not a huge sci-fi person. But does that has that played in your Star Wars games or any of that stuff? Uh, no. Uh, no, no, no. I don't think so. Sometimes you might have like en route to the next encounter. You might have something happen that pops up in your travel. But I think I would handle things differently when I run Edge of the Empire. Cause How I th- so? Because I think Edge of the Empire is a completely different g- type of game than like the D6 West End games um, or even D20 or Saga Edition because okay. it's like built on success and f- success, threats, advantage, and failure. Well, there's degrees of all of that. Well, right? There's not necessarily degrees. Like, uh, I don't think three successes make it a incremental better. And Steve's probably lis- going to listen to this and he's going to be like, dude, you're right, or you're completely hosed. But like, if you have three successes on a roll, doesn't make your success more successful. It's just you succeed, boom, done. If you have an advantage, then something else happens because of that success or the failure because you can still fail and still have an advantage. So if we were to use that type of system in my in our car travel example, right, trying to get from one end of Chicago to the other, right, succeed but fail, you got there in time, you were pulled over at a ticket or you had a flat tire. I could narratively have that. Well, yeah, you could say something like to the point of, okay, Brett, you're going on vacation. It's about two hour, four hour drive. Um, you got a kind of a crappy car. Brett I don't Biden. have a crappy car. That's he, mean. <laughs> it's a, it's, a it's a nice car. It's a, it's a hypothetical situation. Oh, okay. Now it feels bad. Go, go with me. Go with me on this, Brett. You got a crappy car. You I borrowed Sean's car. <laughs> I have a crappy car. Uh, you borrow Sean's car, which is a crappy-er car. And... Sean didn't get it fixed before he left, and he's not a mechanic, and you're you're going down the road. Give me a check. It's only one difficulty, right? So the difficulty is very low, right? One difficulty die roll. You succeed or you don't. If you don't succeed, this is what happens. Maybe you get a car, your tire blows out. Okay, got to fix it. Great. But you got to deal with it and off you go. Or you got to deal with it. That may okay. be late to your end destination, or guess what? Then what? So say you fail, okay, your check, and there's a threat, which means the GM goes, great, you're all of a sudden the car pulls to the right, and you're losing speed, and you're like, shit, I pull over. You have a flat tire. Fucking awesome. All right, I go in my trunk. I'm going to go and get the spare. No spare. No spare's sp- flat. No spare or the spare is flat. And you go, great, I try to repair it. Nothing's there. So that would be a failure and a threat. Like if it was just a failure, okay, you got to pull over and fix it. If it's a threat, then you just, it just piles on. Or it's like a failure and a success. You can say, okay, you get a flat, but you've got the, the awesome tire um, in the back and it's actually better than the one that just blew anyway. Or something to that effect. I don't know how I'd narrate it. But I say that because you're equating it to your trip, your vacation thingy. But yep. if it was like space travel, you know, there's if you listen to one shot, actually one shot, 
the campaigns podcast, this is actually something that occurred to them, was they're trying to outrun something and get away from some somebody. So okay. they, they find a system that's local to them or that's there in their system, but they realize that they're low on fuel. So they're like, fucking great. So they find this planet that's very close to them and they go to the planet and then they scan the planet for a place to get fuel. And of course there isn't any. So they're like, great. So they got to land. So they, they do a couple checks and they fail to get to a particular point that may be great for them. The, and they land an advantage, which means that they don't land near any type of resources, but they land in a spot that's actually nice. You know, it's not like cliffs and everything. So yeah. now they're on the planet and then they're like, well, great. We don't have much fuel. We got to get the hell off this planet. And then we're, where are we going to go? to do it and our astromech droid isn't working so there's kind of like all of a sudden then and they're uh, being chased they're being and, and they're kind of being yeah they're being sur- they're surveyed by another third party <clears throat> chase whatever but yeah so i think though the the key is that to make travel interesting and i've got another idea in a second here but to do it you need to have some kind of a constraint <clears throat> in my opinion usually time because if you have all day or it's not late, or you don't have a wife and five kids and a dog in the cars, then it's not as difficult, right? It, you, uh, if you have a bunch of passengers, you're running low on food. Battlestar Galactica, like the first episode, I mean, they're running out of water. They got the, they have these problems. <clears throat> they're trying to get, <clears throat> excuse me, you're trying to get uh, supplies or something. You, you're low on a thing, either time, um, equipment, um, tolerance. You're being chased. You, you, the laws catching up with you. Something to push you to go faster or to make you do those skill checks. If you got all day, then it becomes very boring to constantly give somebody a flat tire. Like I didn't do that in my vampire games or, you know, any modern game cruising across New York just because it was fun to fuck with the players. It was always like, hey, look, you're trying to get to point A to point B to do a very specific thing. Either it's a critical story thing you're trying to do and I'm going to delay you or, um, you're being chased or you've got to get there in a certain amount of time before the bad guy leaves so that makes that that makes that component of travel interesting. I think there's a tolerance that you would hit really quickly if every time they were just to get in a, a horse and cart and go from one village to the farm, <clears throat> talk to the farmer, get some information, and come back and say, "Yep, it's definitely trolls that have been killing all the all the cattle." So we're going to go hunt some trolls because you went and interviewed four farmers. If you made <clears throat> the players. You know, roll skill checks to drive cart and random encounters for the hour out to each farm and back when the main thrust of it is this is trolls. They're just asking some questions to get ideas of tracks or whereabouts of the trolls. Making that little bit of travel like a very integral component of it could be pretty boring, like trying to make that exciting because it's not that it's not that important. You can make it a skill challenge. Yes, you could. You know, you know, go out there. You're talking to the you're talking to the farmer. Roll a die or whatever it is. But what I'm saying is that the travel itself isn't that big of a deal. No, I'm talking about skill challenge, multiple skill checks. Oh, that type of thing. Okay. Yeah. So when you would do, you would have like, if you were to do a, a travel for with a skill check, you could do, you know, you could set the amount of skills checks. You could set the difficulty, and then you'd have your people roll. You'd have Okay, who's driving? Give me a check. Bloop. Okay. Who's doing this? Who's navigating? Me. Give me a check. Okay? Yep. And you record all the results and then you narrate what occurs based on everything. And the players <clears throat> may that- or may not know what the DC is for all that stuff. So what happens is you say, Great, driving down the road, you realize you got lost. Blah 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 blah. You're off this. Now you're way out of whatever, and then you're in a bad part of town. Blah blah blah. And then it's just kind of sp- it's a narr- it's a narrative bit that, in my memory, it used to always be lacking in your rudimentary travel. Travel. You, go you from, travel and you travel some more and you travel yeah, some more. Yeah. Okay. You went nothing this day. You went the next day nothing. Okay. A couple checks while you're sleeping. No. Moving on. It became very mechanical, <clears throat> and there's no reason it has to be mechanical. Mundane, I think. Is- Mundane is a better yeah. way to put it. It's not that all. Like I'm saying, not every bit of travel needs to be this flurry of dice rolls and deep narrative because that gets boring as fuck. Then you end up doing a Robert Jordan thing and you've got a Wheel of Time series where one whole book is nothing but, you know, your travel log, which is boring as hell. He's made more money than me probably ever writing, though. 
Well, he's dead now, so that shows him. Oh, anyway. <laughs> now, one of the things I have found when we talk about travel and putting pressure on it for time, the storyline that my guys are going in right now in my Avalon world, they're X number of weeks outside the major city, which is called Avalon, and they need to get this band of dwarves and escort them to the city. And they have X number of days to get that done to meet the magistrates, you know, envoy, who they're supposed to meet there and hook up and make this stuff work. So they're go, 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 go. In the process, <clears throat> of course, they're being hunted. They've been ambushed a couple times. They found out one of the dwarves was a turncoat. They've had dark elves ambush them. They've had hill giants. And it just kind of slowed them down. They went from having horses and two wagons down to no horses and no wagons and they're on foot. And the pressure to keep going instead of stopping and trying to figure certain things out. Like, no, we got to go. We can't just sit out here in the freaking wilderness because we've lost more supplies. We've got more people now. We need to keep moving. And you can take something like, basically, it, it's the, again, the quest isn't just go find the Holy Grail. It's the trip to go getting the thing. So I started them off at the end, you know, a couple weeks out from the city. They find the thing they're supposed to find, i.e. the Dwarven Envoys. And they're supposed to drag them back to Avalon. That the whole storyline at this point is the journey. It's just one long travel adventure where they go from day to day to day to day. And each day, <clears throat> even if we don't have any encounters, I roll some random encounters, but they're talking to the NPCs. They're talking to each other, trying to figure out where things are. What's the weather like? What kind of terrain are we in? Do we think we're getting any closer? And all of that shit matters to them because, <clears throat> excuse me, the whole adventure is around the trip. You know, so if you and I were to plan a motorcycle ride from here to the East Coast to go game with the boys at Misdirected Mark. Yeah. We're gonna look at we're gonna look at the travel and figure out where are we gonna go, where are we gonna stop, what do we do if it rains? Do we have rain gear? Do we have helmets? Do we have this? Do we have that? All that shit matters when do you're we, on the road. Do we set a watch? Yeah, do we set a watch or not? Random encounter. We might have to. Yeah. I don't want to get bamboozled. <laughs> not by those guys. No. Hell no. Not by anything. <laughs> not by ever. Brett fell but, asleep, didn't wake up. Great, I'm dead. Sean's dead. Great, great. Now I'm dead. This sucks. <laughs> but, <clears throat> excuse me. And I know some people will do, I, I think when you're on a boat, like if you're in a pirate type of adventure or you're on a water, uh, any kind of waterborne adventure, it becomes the journey is a very, very important thing, especially if you're out at sea. And I think to make it entertaining, you have to have the right mix and perhaps – I'm just totally flubbing this right now, but you have there's certain days where it's just flat and mundane. Nothing happens. You know, the last <clears throat> X number of hours of my drive today coming home, nothing fucking happened. Now wait, well wait a minute, hold on. No conversation in the car? No, I was in the car with both my boys and they were asleep. So it was just me. Listen to the radio? Yeah. Do you have like uh do you have a model pull up like in a Ferrari next to you? No, but blowing your kisses. <laughs> so the boys. <laughs> Wait a minute. So there's a there's a hesitation there. Interesting enough. Oh, no. So my wife, I see this guy has passed my wife and gotten in between us. I'm like, oh, okay. So it's just oh, you whatever. drove separately. Yeah, we had to. We got too many kids. How, con- how convenient. <laughs> and uh, so this guy decides to. He's now we're on the right hand lane. He decides he's going to pass me. So he just merges left. He doesn't look, no blinker, no nothing. He takes the car that's right next to him and pushes it onto the side of the interstate. Now, 70-mile-an-hour interstate now in Wisconsin. So we're, everyone's doing 75, 80. Right. And this other guy on the left-hand side is on the gravel, in the grass, up, down, up, down. I see this in my mirror going, fuck, he's going to kill me, you know. So I'm slowing down, trying to give room. My wife's backing you off. You said nothing happened. <clears throat> well, this is just before that. Oh, Jesus. Right? So that happened. It was a near miss. Like, oh, my God, crazy son of a bitch. Boom, that goes by. Now, I can't I did not have a seven hour drive today where that was just nonstop near death experiences. So what I'm getting at is you can only have there's only a tolerance, I think, in a group for so many near death experiences or for so many mundane experiences. And when you're traveling, the key to it is being able to read the table and find out when they're bored with one or the other. Sometimes it just flat exhaustion, like, really? Another fucking batch of Cobalt? Are you serious? Well, he, okay. sometimes that's the point. You want to harry them. But. So here's GMing Brett's vacation trip. First of all, <laughs> that encounter would have taken at least an hour. Secondly, 
Brett as player would have hunted that guy down and freaking made true. made him pay for that shit. But in doing so, that guy would have taken Susan hostage and run her run her off the road, pull her out of the car and taking her hostage. Oh, that would have gotten a sticky situation pretty quick. Dude, that's why I'm the GM. <clears throat> Lucky for me, I was packing heat at the time. Yeah, you were. Pro- yeah, he was. You even had your like your arsenal with you. I had some see, guns with me, not a lot. <laughs> see, <laughs> you you played it. You downplayed it, man. You, you could have made a complete adventure. You could have been like Car Wars, man. For like <laughs> your whole game session, could have been this asshole that was it, trying it, to run people off the road. It could have been. It could have been. But what I'm what I'm getting at though is that the. In adventuring, there's all the group and the game master, especially the group, has a tolerance. And we've talked about this before, you and I. Like, look, if, if the player's like, oh, Jesus, this is boring, yeah. you got to be able to read the table and go, look, it's very mundane, mechanical. I'm tired of checking for random monsters. Have something happen. Do something. Yeah, and right. If you can, t- if and have the entice- guy merge and freaking do the crazy stuff. And you're like, oh my God, he's in my rear view and he's all over the road. Yeah, something small. I would have given the kids guns. I would have given the kids your arsenal. (laughs) Hey, see that guy behind us? If he gets within 10 feet of our bumper, you freaking shoot a warning shot. And then after that, you shoot to kill. Here's a spare magazine, son. That's right. Open the back window. Nail that motherfucker. You know that rifle safety course? All right, it's time to take action, buddy. (laughs) I'm not that bad. It's funny. it's funny though. I got this picture of my nine year old just leaning on the back. Da, 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 da. Daddy says you drive like shit. Da, 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 da. You can see that. Yeah. See, it's it's uh, all that uh, stuff, man. See, it doesn't have to be boring, Brett. It doesn't have to be. I guess that's the point. Yeah, that's the Is point. I, Make I, it interesting, GMs. Don't be Brett's like freaking family vacation and downplay it all. Spice that shit up. Put guns in that damn car. Make kids like be able to shoot him and throw grenades out. Why not? And God forbid if they fumble that grenade. Oh, yeah. Then it gets, <laughs> then it gets crazy in the cab. Bam. Dog parts everywhere. Craziness ensues. <sighs> <sighs> all right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. So yeah. what, all I wanted to talk about today was that travel doesn't need to be mundane and mechanical. There, and I, I think I guess, we've proven that it doesn't have to be. It. I, I hope so. <laughs> I'm interested, though, if other people out there have got ways that they've made the routine, mundane, the travel, or or whatnot. I mean, I've done a number of adventures where it's been the travel itself was the thing. They have to get somewhere from point A to point B at a certain amount of time. It's it's a blast. It can be a lot of fun because the time pressure can be really interesting just to keep things rolling. Every day that gets ticked off is one less day you are where you need to be, so that can be fun. Yeah. Anyway, just interested what other people have to think or say about it. Yeah, I I I, I got to reevaluate that stuff because sometimes there's. I mean, yeah, if it's gonna be boring, just skip the shit. You're there, check check tick off five days or whatever it takes. Yeah, and sometimes again, instead of going through the motions, we're like, look, I don't. The, the group is has been traveling nonstop. They just want to get to the fucking village. All right, you travel pretty hard. You push the last couple of days. Nothing really happens. The weather sucks, but you get there. You hit the copper kettle, you're in there for the night, you crash. Done. Right. But that little bit of narrative, granted, it's really what I just did. Shitty. But you're tired, you're exhausted, you're happy to be where you need to be. Um, I think that's that, that that itself can make it. Again, it's not mundane, it's mechanical. There's some narrative to it to help spice it up, make it a little bit better. Anyway, I'd like to hear what other people have to say. Yeah, so write into GamingNBS at gmail.com or comment on our, uh, we'll post it in G+, comment there. Or going going to, go to GamingNBS forward slash 0485. Let's go into the die roll. Die roll, where we talk about two to five, two to four miscellaneous points of uh, gaming and geekery to share with you, the listener, Brett. I have a contact in my eyeball. It's driving me crazy. Looks kind of funny. Watch you try to rip your eye off like that. So I've got two of them. The first one is um, wife and I got back to town today from our vacation, as I just bored the hell out of everybody with. Um, had to go to the store real quick, <clears throat> buy some stuff. We're walking out, and up in the 
from the store. They've got different games and stuff that they're selling, and they had the D and D basic set on sale for like sixteen bucks or fifteen bucks or something. Like, oh, cool. And Susan looks at me. She said, "Do you think AJ would like that?" He's my youngest boy. I said, "Yeah, I, I have." You know, a set of the hardcovers that I gave my oldest boy, and he's been pouring over those. She's like, "Well, AJ might like to have his own kind of a basic thing." I'm like, "This would be great." You got the five E basic set. Yeah, five E basic set. Don't read the freaking module in there. No, it's, I gave it to my son. I well, don't it. tell. Don't have him run it for you. No, 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 no. Oh, he I can. I guess I don't care. It, well, if he does, you're gonna. I just don't. Want it him doesn't matter. I don't want him to outshine you so early. I, he on. probably will. I'm a shitty GM. <laughs> God, I just really. Ugh. But he was excited. A uh, nice set of dice in there, and kind of flipped through the the book. It's got all the the key pieces he needs, and it's, I think it'll be pretty handy. He's he's pretty excited about it. Um, the other one is I've got a link out here to a thousand index cards. Oh, hey, so that, yeah, you know, that is a very good point, Brett. Go ahead. Index card, index card, ram. I put a link out there on Amazon.com. Anybody who needs index cards, Amazon.com, a shit ton of index cards. This is like a thousand of these bloody things. And yeah, <laughs> so if if you're in Europe, because I think Europe has a shortage or they don't do index cards. According to Phil Vecchione, I think I think that he I think Phil has actually purchased all of Europe's index cards and he has them himself in the safe. No, I think what I think has happened. No, I think the deal was that if you're in Europe and you you don't have access to index cards, that Phil would supply them for for Europe. Well, it's because he's bought all of Europe's index cards. From well, what the, I heard you know six one half dozen the other. If you're in <clears> Europe, <throat> if you're in Europe and you and you've been and Phil has either bought all of your index cards or you just simply can't find any phil has offered to supply all of europe with index cards which and, is pretty cool yeah and i think it's at phil at misdirectedmark.com i believe that's email. how you reach him yeah he said, so yeah, place an order there i think right I w- that's that's what i would do yeah yeah uh, usually cod he does that quite often that's pretty good yeah well i <laughs> I, I don't even know if he mentioned if he would charge anybody for it. It sounded like, hey, give I think me a it call. was free shipping and he, and he uh, except euros. Oh, Greek euros, Greek euros mostly. I thought it was all completely <laughs> complimentary. Uh, sure, it could be too. I don't know. I thought that guy's just loaded, man. I figured in misdirected Mark, dude, they're like 160, 155 episodes. They've got to be raking in the bucks. Huge dollars. Yeah. And he's a project manager. We know what those guys make. He's it's almost then tenure. Which means he could like earn a paycheck and not do a thing after like a year. He's got it going on, man. <laughs> anyway, you. honestly though, I uh, Phil giving you shit, dude, for the index cards thing. But I'll tell you what: after I, having I was used in Europe, name, I, I would totally take him up. I would on totally it. take him yeah, up. On it. Absolutely. After using index cards for name tents and seeing them at cons more and more, I'm like, why, why, why was I not doing this before? Well, you don't it's do a, a lot of real- con games, do you? Well, you do ever, I've, ever, ever rest. I do ever, I do ever con, and I've been to a few others, just kind of scope, scoping around like Gen Con and stuff, and I've seen them out there, and it just never clicked with me. And the more I've been thinking about it, looking, at them, I'm like, you know what, fuck, why, why don't I have a pack of index cards? With me? Uh, My see, God, these things are useful. That's why we're on a podcast together because Brett does table tents for his home group, who he knows everybody. <laughs> But he doesn't do it at a con. I do it at a con, but I don't do it for my game group. Yeah, and he never remembers us, which is really sad. No. Anyway. There you have it. Whatever, Steve. Your turn. All oh, right. Wait, whoever you are. Yeah. Brent. You're up. Okay. I'm done. All right, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> done Jen. Not to be confused with dungeon. Done Jen. That'd be Dungeon Generator. It's at studioscom forward slash DG forward slash dungeon. It's pretty cool. It'll do a random dungeon for you. You pick some criteria. Now, it's not going to draw it out in a dungeon in a map, but it'll do... What are those diagrams called, Brett? Do you know? It, it's um, it's a mind map. It's so much a mind mapping. Okay, there you go. It's like a mind map. So it'll kind of map out the dungeon and via mind map, which is... You know, here's a square and what's in it. And then there's a line to another square box and another box and another box. Oh, my goodness. And it just kind of spider webs itself out, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, so check it out, man. If you're doing, Even if you're doing like a, if you're doing a map and you want to populate it, maybe go to this thing. Go, okay, I got five rooms, uh, level five, generate, boom. And it's going to give you a description for like all of them. 
the, the cool part, I think, was the description component. So, like, I'm looking at one here. Location is a mind-working, a grotto, sanctuary. It tells you what's in it. You know, Chamber with Pillars has, you know, a vampire. This has a flame trap. It's just neat. It's kind of cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah, check it out. I found it on G+. It was shared privately, which kind of, you know, unless it's like something risque, share it public, dude. I mean, I don't know why, unless you're afraid somebody knows you're a gamer or something. Because I always, you know, if somebody shares something privately on Google+, I'm afraid to mention it because they maybe don't want somebody to know that they posted this thing. So I'm like, okay, I don't want to give, I want to give them credit. But I, I can if you say, share it sweet, privately. Oh well, in this case, we will give you the credit. What Where, else have you got? Who, who give who give who the credit? I don't. You you posted it. Uh, Your credit. Good right. good find, Sean. Way to go. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm gonna give me one of these. All right. D and D pint beer glasses. I posted this on Google Plus, but this is for folks that may not uh, that may not follow me, but uh, listen to the show. So go to the entry for this. Uh, episode it's at um well well we love, we love fine we love fine yep. we love fine.com forward slash feature forward slash dd dash new dash pint dash glasses so they've got like never winter themed pint glasses or i don't know what the other ones are but they're pretty cool they're all, they all look like other uh, realms ones from yeah. with Baldur's gate yep never winter um i think he pre-ordered sword coast yeah, it's like Sword Coast, Sword Coast Ale or some crap. Got some neat looking D and D t shirts on that side too. I'm just kind yeah. of scoping through it. Not bad. Neat stuff. Yeah, neat stuff. Number three, Tabletop Simulator by John Arcadian on Gnome Stew. So this is a article that I saw on Gnome Stew that is talking about a tabletop simulator. So long a few. Well, it's been quite a few episodes now. I put out there where it's kind of like this 3d model thing for sandboxes um so if you know um, what a sandbox is when it comes to military combat was it sand table i should say it was sand table that's what the um well it's the old oh yeah i'm not a big um war gamer that way but i i know that was huge back in the day you had a table box full of sand you form it into hills and rivers and valleys and all sorts of shit kind of cool episodes ago i found a digital version of that this is a little different so this has the ability to load in your own custom models and so this is kind of like hey this is a virtual tabletop simulate like it's hey here's the table and this is what you can put on the table and you could tilt the table and you can rotate the table and you can you know, bring up pieces of the table or whatever that is. So I, Interesting. I, yeah, I didn't get into a whole ton of details. But this whole purpose, as John points out in the article, is that it's made to be modified. So it's made to be hacked via software. So I'm sure it's got an open source kind of thing to it. So you can, where it's, he says it shines, it has the ability to load in your own custom models and pieces enabling a near limitless number of options for tabletop terrain. So doing something as simple as creating a custom table and loading in an image of a map and then adding models and some rocks really provides an immersive experience. So this is kind of taking like your digital, like think of Dwarven Forge via a digital 3D. Interesting. I'll have to check into this. This looks kind of cool. Yeah. The only thing that I have a problem with these things, as well as even Dwarven Forge, which is the physical model 3D Mm -hmm. casting, is it still just takes up too much goddamn time. I agree. That was... um, Lenny had a bunch of Dwarven Forge minis uh, many years ago, and they take a long time to set up, tear down, manipulate, and move... Um, you ended up, we end up, they, uh, the tiles themselves, these little bow tie connectors to try to keep everything locked in for Dwarven Forge. And it's not, and you never have enough. <laughs> you never have enough of them because you want to leave as many rooms up as you can. You end up tearing things down and pulling it up. I end up using the simple, you know, one inch square grid, um, uh, da-da-da, tablets from, uh, Office Max, basically the ones you'd hang like in a, uh, in a meeting room type of thing. You end up just using large sheets of paper, or now I, when I'm using my kind of a butcher paper style no-grid maps, because it's just faster to draw them by hand and then take a couple minis and put them on or bigger set pieces for a hill or something like that. 
Um, because to your point, it just takes too goddamn long, and I can't build it. I game master so much on the fly, it's hard for me to have this stuff preset. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Very cool, yes. Very time-consuming. Yep, time-intensive for sure. Yes. So that's the only the only downfall. Well, not <clears throat> the only... Yeah, it's pretty much the only downfall. Because otherwise, it's all cool stuff. Some people don't like technology, but whatever. So yeah, that is episode 45 for you. Again, uh, if you, you find this kind of cool or even like really weird... Just go to iTunes and let us know. Write a review and say, man, these guys are crazy. We get a lot of that. That's okay. Yeah, and that's okay. It helps us get noticed uh, on iTunes, which allows our listenership to grow and allows Brett and I to, I don't know. Want to get into that misdirected mark cash. That's what we want. Yeah, that's it. That's for sure. But anyways, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. This is one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all.